And now, Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the show. My name is Al Gordon, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. That's correct. It's Tell Al Tuesday, and I'm so excited because I've, I've asked Bob to be on today's show, and this is a great opportunity for you and me as well to get inside the head of a medical professional that for the majority of his life was, was conditioned to go into the medical field and to be self-employed and to build up a business as a medical professional. And he did all of that stuff. He did it for like 31 years. And then in 2016, he was listening to the radio. He was listening to our founder and CEO of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. And you know what he did? He kind of took a pause. He did. He took a pause and he came and listened to what we had to say about maybe changing the trajectory of your life, changing, you know, how you view retirement, because maybe what you're doing isn't as effective as maybe what we're talking about on the radio, kind of like we're going to do today. So Bob did that. And I will tell you what, the results are, are nothing less than spectacular in the little over five years he's been a member of Lifestyles Unlimited, he has invested in 36 different apartment communities. He has taken one of those communities over. In other words, he served as the lead investor uh, when the lead investor, for whatever reason, was incapacitated, could not do the job. Bob stepped up and did the job. And since that time, he actually decided to become a lead investor himself, and he has syndicated his first investment property as a lead investor to other Lifestyles Unlimited members. Now, now get this. He still practices in his practice. He does. He still works three days a week, and he does it not because he needs the money. He does it because he loves medicine. He loves what he does for other people. So let me stop chatting right now, and I'm going to bring Bob onto the show, and I want to get inside of Bob's mind, especially for you folks that are medical professionals. Let's figure out how Bob did what Bob did, because... Bob, I think it's safe to say you would consider yourself real estate retired. Is that true? Well, I, I, I would say yes to some degree. I still, uh, you know, I still like to work. I still want to make some income from my um, my primary job. But I'm in this great balance where I'm doing two things that I love to do. And you know, as I transition from one career into another, uh, I still like to do both of them. And so I, I need to do both of them for different reasons. Some of it's financial, and but more of it's that it's something I just want to do. Take me back to your early days in education where you were in your mind deciding you were going to pursue medicine. What does that path look like? Because most of us never pursued the medical field. Most of us were afraid of it because we heard how difficult the classes were. We heard that there's a high attrition rate. And we didn't want to spend our money on classes only to be, you know, tossed out. Um, so we went and pursued something else. What exactly was, was it like going to school and focused on being a medical professional? So originally, um, my dad was a high school science teacher and showed me a lot of interest in in the medical field, I considered engineering as another opportunity. I'm just more of a math and science guy, and that's how my bread, how my brain works. And and through high school, 
you know, to get into a, a good undergrad program, you had to have good grades. So I worked hard in high school to get good grades. And I considered a career, and I actually went into optometry. So it's it's a kind of a primary eye care field. And so I'm not a medical doctor, but I am an optometrist. It's an op- doctor of optometry, but I still do primary medical treatment in my practice. So, you know, I, I was interested in doing something that I could work for myself, that I'd have the flexibility of, I could go almost anywhere in the U.S. I could be in a small town, I could be in a big city, but I was interested in running my own practice. I just had kind of an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit growing up, and we had a small, a small family business, so there was some of that in my blood. But I wanted to do something that was both a place I could serve people, that I could do a field that I had interest in, because it's a lot of hard hard hours in the college degree, and then to jump from the undergrad to a graduate program or a, getting into med school, into optometry school, or you know, any professional school, it's difficult. You have a lot of hours you have to work and a lot of hours to study, and it's pressure of getting good grades and high test scores, and there always seems like there's you know, you're never done getting over the hurdles. And so there was just a lot of tension trying to get to that point, you know, building a career that would be fruitful for many years. But, you know, I found out later I still had to work, still had to go to work and and try to build up that nest egg for someday to retire. Is it safe to say that many of you that go into the medical field are taught that the way to success, the way to financial independence is to work in your business. In other words, if you're not there to turn the key, there is no business for you to have. That's right. I mean, it's all about patient care. So we've got to be seeing patients and engaged in business in our practices, whether we're running our own business or whether we're, you know, a paid professional in a group, you still have to show up to work and and you've got to be face to face with patients. So there's this sometimes almost like a tension between doing the thing you love and you love to serve people and you love, I love being with people and that's why I still do it. But yet there's, there's a a need to produce. And, you know, in my practice, I've got bills to pay. I've got people to pay. I've got um, vendors to pay. And so there's this ongoing, you know, cash flow need and paying expenses. And, you know, if I take a vacation for a week or two, it takes me weeks to get caught back up sometimes because when I'm not at work, we're not making the income. How many years of school did you do? Now, I guess what bachelor's degree is like standard four years, but then there's there's postgraduate work you have to do, right? Yeah. So optometry school is another four years after that. And you can go into sub subspecialties where there's more education, but that eight years of college was enough for me. And and going through undergrad, I considered going into the uh, medical field as an ophthalmologist where I would do surgery, and that was just longer than I wanted to go into. So as an optometrist, I can do a lot of primary care that I love to do. We do a lot of glasses and contacts, but we treat glaucoma. We manage macular degeneration. And as I've started to age, one of the byproducts of that is that my patient basis started to age. And so I do a lot more medical treatment for chronic conditions that can take people's vision. So it's a big deal to me to be able to serve my patients and, and do things that try to, you know, minimize vision loss or improve their vision. And some things I have to refer to specialists, but we do a lot of that in-house. And so it's rewarding from just, um, you know, the, the way that I can serve people and, and help them see the world in their best way. So you're 
26 years of age, you've got eight years of college under your belt. Do, have you taken on student loan debt or were you one of the few that figured out a way to pay for college without taking any of that out? No, I got through my undergrad with no student loan business that I could work in the summer. So I could work for you know part of the year and make enough to pay my portion. Um, interesting, there were six kids in our family and my parents would pay for half of the year and we had to pay for half the year. So my, my dad and mom would actually give us cash at the beginning of the semester in the in the, the fall semester, like in August or September, and they would give me the money for the year and and I wouldn't get a penny again until the next year. I'd have to learn how to budget that. So I was getting educated without really knowing it on how to manage money. Well, my parents said, you know, we've only done four years for everybody else in the family. I was the fifth out of six kids. And they said, great son, go to school, get a doctorate, but you're on your own. And so I did some student loan, but fortunately, that was 30 plus five years ago. It wasn't as expensive as it is now to get out of school. So many students are getting into hundreds of thousands of dollars of school of debt to go through you know, their programs, and they're going to have to work a lot of years just to work off the debt. And that makes it difficult then for them to go out and have choices in life. You know, I probably wouldn't have been able to open my own practice or buy another practice now because I'd have too much debt, you know, around my neck. I'd have to work for a while to get rid of some of that. So how long did it take you to actually buy your practice? Did did you go right into that or did you have to go work with somebody else for a while until you built up the ability to, to acquire it? Yeah, so I chose to work in some medical clinics and ophthalmology practices for about three or four years before I bought a practice. And, and I bought my practice from another doctor about five years after I had graduated from optometry school. And my wife is a CPA. She had a really good job, and, and we, could, we could live mostly off of her income those first few years because we were making enough for a small income. I was paying the debt of the buying the business. But about five years after that, then we had that practice paid off. And, you know, then we thought we were on easy street, but then we realized we still had to work. And there was still, you know, managing all the things that everybody else has to do in life and go to work. And we started having kids and we've got two sons uh, that are adults now. And and just, you know, dealing with all that, we we still had jobs. We still had to go to work. and and But we were enjoying what we were doing. What were you doing for retirement during that period? Yeah, so so the traditional, uh, like everybody else, or like so many people do, we were in IRAs. Um, in my business, I had what's called a simple IRA. We were doing 401ks with my wife's job and just trying to save. So we were in that model of get a good degree, you know, go to work, work hard, and have money that you save. And the goal was to create a pile of cash someday that that we could and you know pull from. And and at some point we found out that that is a flawed system. And that's when you know lifestyle became a great option for us. So a little over five years ago, you made the decision to go check out Lifestyles Unlimited. Was your was your wife on board with this, or did she think you'd lost your mind? Somewhere in the middle there. We um, she was interested. Uh, we had gone through between the year of 2000 up to about 20, 2015 or 16, we'd gone through three different cycles of losing around 50% in our retirement account. And it always came back. 
But, you know, I'm reminded in from things in the two day that if you have a 50 percent drop in your in your account, we have to have a 100 percent gain just to get back to where we were. But we were told, don't worry, it'll come back. And we played that game. And after the third time, like we're now in our 50s at that point, we can't keep doing this. And we needed to find another way. And we just didn't know what to do. So I had listened to Dell on the radio on and off for a few years, but I really never listened to the message. And because it was just foreign, I didn't need that. And finally, when we were at a place where I was, you know, ready to listen, like they say, the student learns when they're ready to, to listen to the teacher. And, and I, 2016, I was driving back from Austin and I listened to a, 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 a show and it was the first time that it really sunk in. And that's when we started to look at when we could get to a, a, like a, a local two hour show before they were um, online. And then we looked at doing a, a two-day in January. But my wife was a little bit more skeptical. I'm typically more the, the jump-at-something kind of person. And she's a type B, let's analyze and pull back a little bit. But she's on board now and understands that it's a, it's a path that we both want to take. So what was it like pulling the trigger on your first multifamily passive deal? Were you, were you nervous or did you... Or was it just like another day at the, the office? I wasn't really nervous at all. In, in my business, I had been used to being in groups of, of other practitioners in a practice management organization where we shared information and we shared wisdom. And so when I got a glimpse of, of lifestyles and realized that it was a very open community that shared a lot of information and it was all about kind of everybody collectively doing well, and, and everybody being invested in each other's success, I bought into the system right away, and I didn't have any hesitation writing that first check. Yeah, and all of, us, all of us guys that have business degrees get all concerned that guys like you are ruining the curve for us. I'm just joking. When we come back from the break, we're going to get into education. Stick around. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. Dell Wamsley's Real Estate Investing Worst Case Scenario. Let's say the Democrats took away all tax deductions away from real estate like Ronald Reagan did in 1986. In 1986, we had stock market crash, a real estate value crash. The world came to an end for three months. Why? Because he took the value away from owning real estate for people who used it as a tax break. People like myself who got started at 87 go, you know, you can really buy this stuff cheap right now. In fact, I can buy it so cheap, I can rent it and make a 20% return. Cap rates were 20%. I buy a building and I made 20% of my money without leverage. If I put leverage on it, I made 30 or 40% return. Ungodly returns. Right now, you can earn less than 1% on a savings account. So do you think I hope that happens again? Yes, I do. In 2008, when the world crashed and cratered, I bought real estate 50 cents on the dollar. I said, well, what happened to the stuff you already owned? I kept it. It stayed full. We rented it. We made money. Don't let the fear of losing money hold you back from making money. Join us for the next live online free workshop. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Listening to Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show will change your life. Now, here's your host. 
Welcome back to the second half of the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. My name is Al Gordon, and with me today is Bob. And together, we are creating another edition of Tell Al Tuesday for your listening pleasure. This is the opportunity for you to get into somebody else's mind and understand what they are doing to change the trajectory of their life. And Bob is a rare guest because he's one of these guys that went the medical route through college. He was willing to do the hardcore study and take all the most difficult courses in the undergraduate world. And then he decided to do the exact same thing in his PhD pursuit of his doctorate so that he could become a doctor of ophthalmology. Did I get that correct, Bob? Did I get your title correct? Yeah, it's a doctor of optometry. Optometry. Okay. What's the difference? I'm curious. Yeah, so optometrists do generally primary eye care, and we do medical treatment, but we don't do surgery, at least in some states. Now, there's an expanding scope of practice. I won't go into that, but generally an ophthalmologist is going to do surgery and more advanced care, uh, secondary tertiary care, and an optometrist office will be more primary medical and vision care. Well, look at that. I actually learned something today because, you know, in 27 years in the United States Army, the only thing they did as far as I concerned for me was checking to see if I could actually see. And then they put glasses on me and tell me to move out and be smart. So now I'm, I'm starting <laughs> to learn about all this stuff that I need to know. You know, ironically, I, I was recently diagnosed with entry level, I guess, glaucoma, my my I person said, yeah, you're probably going to have glaucoma covering your eyes in the next five years. So should I be concerned or? Well, you probably have cataracts that are starting to form. Cataracts are treatable. Glaucoma is treatable. If it's if you've been diagnosed with glaucoma, you'd be, you, you're probably using some sort of drops or you might have had a laser procedure to, to try to you know treat that. But that glaucoma, once we make the diagnosis, we don't typically just watch that. We treat it with some sort of medical treatment. Okay, that explains the drops then. I Okay, now, now see, I don't pay attention. I just don't pay attention. That's why I need guys <laughs> like you that pay attention to help guys like me. Because, you know, I, this whole thing's leading up to a discussion on education, by the way, Bob. I'm just, I'm just going to come clean, and I'm going to tell you that when I earned my four-year Army ROTC scholarship and I realized all I had to do was get C's in order to get through college uh, because I already had a job out of college. It was called the Army. You know, uh, that that partying and having a good time in college, that was right up my, my boat. But that's not exactly how you did college, was it? No, because I always had to have the, you know, I had to be able to get accepted into the next level. So, you know, as I just said earlier in high school, I had to have good grades to get into a good undergrad program. And then when I was in undergrad, there was pressure and competition to get into limited spots into a professional program. You know, whether you're going into medical or dental or optometry or podiatry, you know, there's still a lot of people trying to get into a limited number of spots. So you have to perform well. And and I don't think I'm all that smart of a person. I have to work harder than the average person to be able to keep the grades up. And, and I was fortunate that I was just disciplined enough and you know, one of my dad's favorite sayings was put your nose to the grindstone and, and, you know, get to it. And that's just how I, you know, how I was raised. And so that was my mentality was to just put in that extra work, dig in deeper and just keep going. You know, some, some years and some semesters, I took over 20 hours a semester. And 
and most people take an average of maybe 14, 15, 16 hours while they're doing their undergrad or graduate school. And there were just a lot of hours, a lot of work, but it was worthwhile. It was always aimed at a goal. I'm a goal-oriented, kind of a purpose-driven person, and I need to have a reason to get out of bed, and that was certainly my reason to get get out of bed. And the hope of having a career and being able to provide for a family and be able to provide and have the nice things of life, you know, live um, some luxuries, and that was always, you know, some days you had to dig in a little deeper, but um, it was always the education. And in lifestyles, you get a lot of that education in for real estate. You know, I was never done any real estate, and and it was it's been interesting to see what kind of programs they have for education. So at Lifestyles Unlimited, we we make no bones about it. We we tell everybody that we can teach you how to get yourself retired in sixteen hours. So when when you heard that, did you hear something that sounded like a scam to you, or were you interested in checking it out to see if it was legit? No, I was interested in, and it didn't seem scamish to me, but, you know, you always have your, on your guard. Uh, when I got into the, into the organization and the community, and I saw that there were just a whole bunch of people like me that, you know, maybe they were engineers or they were um, other um, skilled workers, and not everybody has gone to college, but, but there are other good people and hard workers, and, you know, we've, I found out that that there were people just like me that were learning how to do this. There were people ahead of me that had been members that I didn't know, but eventually I learned about that have done very well working with the map that lifestyle provides and, and the education, there's just a ton of education. Um, and just a little quick little story. One of my friends, that's an optometrist. He, I've dragged a bunch of friends into, into lifestyles and, and he, literally wanted to just give me some money and said, just go invest on this. And I said, no, I will not take that. You have to learn about this program before I'll take any of your money and, and help you invest it. You got to learn first because you need to know what you're doing. I don't want to just jump and then, you know, the old jump and build a parachute on the way down. The goal is to learn this before you, you know, hurt yourself. And because real estate is generally forgiving, but it can be dangerous if you're not doing it properly. And with lifestyles, we learn how to do it properly. And there's, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's a map already there. There's a playbook that's already been written um, that Dell's written and then members have added to it. And, and it's just part of that education process. But, but it, there's an opportunity to learn the system. And, and, and you, there's repetition when you meet people and you go through case studies and you go to road trips over and over and over again, you start to see patterns and commonalities that, that are best practices. It's not rocket science, but it's, it's something that you really do have to learn, um, especially now in today's market with rising interest rates and being able to understand how to, to evaluate a deal. Like I've been a, mostly a passive investor. I have to be able to evaluate deals effectively to know what I'm getting into and to find out if it meets the criteria that I want to invest in. And so there's education that's really critical, and Lifestyle provides a a huge amount of that. Now, one of the passive investments that you made uh, didn't quite do as well as it should have. As a matter of fact, the the lead investor, the person doing all the work, they were running into some challenges. Well, we were, um, as a group, there were about 16 
partners in a property, and this was out of state to me. It was starting to, to struggle some. And the, the investor that was the lead at the time, he still was a partner in the deal and is a good guy. He just, things weren't going our way as a, as a group, and we decided we needed to change it. About a year into the ownership, um, I stepped in with another partner that lived near the property, and then I came in, and because I had run a business, I became the asset manager, and was and we ended up holding that property for another little over three more years after Tynag came in, and we sold that property in May of this year, and we ended up turning around a property that was in the the, the chance of us losing some of our money, to where we actually got all of our money back plus slightly more than a hundred percent gain. So is that the event that catapulted you into becoming a lead investor yourself? It, it, it is. So, you know, I got the taste of being an operator. We sold it. It was, you know, I've heard this from boat owners, the best two days are the day you buy one and the day you sell one. And that's kind of how it felt with this other deal. But then I, there was kind of this empty feeling. And I went into the lead investor uh, mode as there were a small group of friends that are within lifestyles that I had had, you know, all joined. We as a small group wanted to do another deal just ourselves. And, you know, it was going to be a syndication. So we worked with a, uh, there's another lifestyle member that's actually in the North Carolina market that I had gotten to be good friends with. His name is Tom Phelps. And, and we went with Tom. He's um, been an IRO in that area and had about a hundred units that he was managing on his own. And we wanted to partner up with him to do a deal and so I was lead certified and had the experience, and he had a team locally in place for management and other vendor you know, relationships that had been built. And it was a very similar model to what I had done with this deal that we just talked about that had actually been in Georgia. And, and we felt like we had a model that could work, and, and so far it's, it's going well, and we hope to start looking for more properties in a few more months. Where do you think the market is heading? I mean, a lot of people have speculation on it. I'm just curious what the doctor has to say. Well, I, I'm certainly not an economist, and it's dangerous to you know project too much. I don't have a crystal ball that's very clear. But I think personally what will happen, because I see this in my business, and then I see this because I'm in all these other deals as a passive, you, know, you see patterns. And I think as interest rates go up, most of our properties are cash-flowing, we're going to continue to hold them. We'll make a profit. We'll have some distributions. And then at some point in any of these deals, there is a place where it matures to where you want to sell it and take that profit and go to another deal that has more opportunity in it. And there's just a, there's just a cycle in these deals. And I think because of the market, as interest rates go up, it's going to make it more difficult. It's going to slow down some of the activity, and it's already doing that. And, and at some point, interest rates will come back down, property values will go back up, and, and more people will come back into the market. So it is a supply and demand and a buyer and a seller arena. And when there are a lot of buyers, then the sellers are in control. And when there are fewer buyers, then you won't be able to get as good of a price for your property. And I think that's where we are now is that most of our properties we're just going to kind of hold on to, and we'll wait for a while and we'll still make money on them and we'll just wait for good you know better opportunities down the road while at the same time looking for opportunities that there are current owners that may be in trouble 
because of the financing that they went into, and they have to sell because they they can't afford to continue to pay higher interest rates or however they set up their lending, there are going to be opportunities for us to buy properties at a reduction, probably not a huge reduction, but somewhat of a discount. And when we can go into a property at a really good price on the front end, then we can go in and operate it, raise the value, and then when there's an opportunity a few years down the road to to sell at a higher price, then that's how you make a profit. And I think we'll have some great chances to do that in the next anywhere from 6 to 12 months. I think you just wrote a prescription for how to make wealth for myself and my family. That's exactly what you did, Bob. You just got to do what the doctor says, right? <laughs> That's it. Do what the doctor says and don't don't think you know it all. It's okay to have other people helping you along the way, right? I mean, is that a fair statement? Right. Yeah. I mean, I you know, there's so much to learn from other members in lifestyles. There's people that are ahead of me that are doing way more um, purchasing and operating and they're bigger operators, but but I can learn from that and I can have a goal to try to grow to that myself. And so I can take my business experience that I have in my practice and, and I have a lot of patients that are in a lot of different fields and I ask them questions when they're in the exam room. You know, how's your business doing? And people that are in the oil and, and energy sectors and people that are in medical supplies and People that are running, they have a, a car dealership or whatever. You know, I get a slice of the economy from the people that are through my practice. So I think I have a great opportunity to get exposed to different groups of people, both through my practice and through lifestyles. And I can see, you know, a pretty good swath of the of the of our of our culture and of our economy, and get an idea of where things are going. And you know, I'm still positive. You know, sure, we're going to have some slowdowns, and there's inflation, and there's things we have to deal with. But, but by and large, there's still a lot of people that need to work, and you know, Lifehouse has been a great place for us to to, to work through. I, I absolutely agree with you, Bob. Hey, if you want to get started and you want to do what Bob and I are doing, go to LifestylesUnlimited.com, sign up for a free workshop, and let's get you going. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit LifestylesUnlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.